Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You give me one shot here on a blue chip stock. Believe me, Kevin. What's going on, NBA draft fans? Your boys are back. The Wolves of Ball Street, your favorite draft analyst, favorite draft analyst. It is the Draft Act NBA Draft Show on the No Ceilings NBA Draft Podcast feed. My name is Corey Tullaby, and I am here as always with my co-host, Albert Garbage Time Gim. Albert, how we doing, man? We are doing. Um, I was just saying to Corey before we started recording, I apologize for my voice, y'all. It's stuff's going around. You know, it's the winter time. People get sick, and I'm testing negative so far for COVID, but uh, I am sick. But I'm here because it's important for us, and it's important to us that we continue to give you guys the best damn content possible, free content possible. Yeah. So uh, I'm here, and I'm ready to rock. He's a trooper, folks. We do it for you. Uh, we do it for the listeners, the viewers. And today's a fun episode because I know, Albert, you always enjoy when we just kind of chop it up with no plan and we don't necessarily focus on one specific prospect because it leads to some you know, interesting discussions that we don't always get into. So uh, it's the new year. It's 2023. This is the first show for us of 2023. And I thought that it would be a great idea to just get a temperature check on where is the overall draft stock of these 2023 NBA draft prospects? So as I usually do about monthly, um, I went through and took the draft stock based on, you know, the, the big media outlets, ESPN, Bleacher Report, no ceilings. Uh, it's free. Albert mentioned that earlier. Basketball news, the athletic tankathon sports illustrated. And I went, you know, I took the averages and I put together the top 50 prospects draft stock for the 2023 NBA draft class. Um, and this is the first update since the IPO that we did back in November. And the first one is always really interesting because it tends to look a lot different than that first one. That first one, a, a lot of it, when you do a preseason, it's, you know, who do we think is going to take a leap as uh, a returner? It, it's these highly touted, prospects that you know the these outlets kind of project to be the lottery and as we know folks nothing is forever in the nba draft world it's fluid and you know some of the guys that were in the lottery already have dropped out which is why it's so important to remember no matter how you know highly touted a prospect may be things might just go wrong for them and and you know they might get off to a slow start they might not be playing in the best fit um and they might struggle. And likewise, we got guys who are unexpected that pop up and you know really help their stock with their play. So this is going to be a fun one. We'll go through um, the list. This list is also published already, if you're listening to this or watching, at NoSealingsNBA.com. Um, you can see where each outlet and their average stock price. So let's go through the 
um, top five of this update. Uh, number one and number two, no shock. It's Victor Wimbanyama and Scoot Henderson. And those guys are not going to change. I think for the remainder of this cycle, I think every outlet in unison has one be at one across the board, Scoot at number two. Uh, at number three, we have Amen Thompson. At number four, we have Nick Smith Jr. And at number five, we have Cam Whitmore from Villanova. Uh, that is the same top five from November. Nothing's changed. Um, I mean, things have changed for these prospects since... Um, but nothing has changed as far as their draft stock goes. We know Nick Smith, Albert is maybe out for the rest of the year. He's out indefinitely with a knee issue. Um, we're going to see how that affects his draft stock because while it may not hurt him with poor play, there may be guys who show out and leapfrog him. Uh, and then Cam Whitmore, it seems like he struggled a little bit recently. Yeah, a little bit. What do you think that is for him? Um, it's funny, Corey, I think thinking back to the pod that we did on him in the preseason, mm. one of the big qualifiers that we had with him was the on ball stuff, the shooting. Um, we talked about, we get, we praised so much of, um, his athleticism, uh, yes. finishing at the rim, all that stuff. I just think, uh, at this point in his season where he had a late start as well, he just hasn't been able to uh, accentuate or really show off uh, the things that he's really good at, right? And there are a lot of different reasons for it. As we mentioned, he's had a late start because of injury. He's also playing on a interesting uh, Villanova team. Um, and so I, I think I think Cam Whitmore's evaluation, for me specifically, uh, is something that I'm really going to try to pump the brakes on until the end of the season. I, I want to see him kind of continue to grow and blossom. I remember earlier today, uh, Tyler Metcalf of No Ceilings NBA posted a really nice video of a little clip of Cam Whitmore, Whitmore making a really nice cut to the basket, showing off some of that athleticism and nuance and timing and, you know, feel and all that stuff. And I was like, okay, like this is good stuff, right? Um, but we need to see it more. We need to see it more consistently. And I really do hope that over the course of the remainder of the season that we continue to see that with Cam Whitmore because you and I are really high on him before the season mm -hmm. started. And I, I think it really might just be a thing where he needs more time. I think that was perfectly well said, and and I'm with you. I think we have to be patient with his evaluation. I, he is one of the guys that I am very, very excited to see up close, and you know, I think I'm going to have an opportunity to see him a couple of times. Uh, I'm going to go see him when they play St. John's, uh, I believe at Madison Square Garden, and then um, at the Big East tournament. You know, we'll get to see him again. You know, if, if you know he stays healthy, I, I think. You know, he he had such high expectations coming into this season because he lit the net on fire during the summer. Just absolutely was a flamethrower. And it was a little misleading because, as we always say, you got to buy the form, not necessarily the percentages, right? And he's a guy who has a lot of, you know, mechanical issues with that jumper. And he, he hasn't been hitting it. And I think that opens up a lot for him because he's not the shiftiest side-to-side -side ball handler, right? He has a good first step. He's powerful. He can go through you. Uh, he has really agile footwork when he does have a head of steam, so it's not like he's just a bulldozer. But that shot opens up a lot. 
and that Villanova team doesn't have, you know, a, a ton of threats and, you know, it, it could get really clunky at times. So he's a wait and see. I want to see him, you know, uh, make an impact as a playmaker a little bit too. You know, a lot of people, and I think rightfully so, you know, I, I know that on this no ceilings feed, we've, you know, heard a lot of our guys say to pump the brakes on kind of like the hate that Gigi Jackson gets uh, for his lack of playmaking. And and I think that's completely fair. And, and, and I agree with that. But I also do think there are playmaking concerns, you know, feel concerns, irregardless of how well, you know, the 17, now 18 year old Gigi Jackson's playing. But Cam Whitmore has had many of those same struggles as a playmaker. I, I agree, Corey. I, I think uh, really quickly before we yeah, move of on, course. I, I just feel like the reason why this conversation and what you're saying is so relevant is because also the range that we're discussing Cam Whitmore in. If we're yes. talking about a guy who's in the top five on somebody's big board or may potentially even be taken in the top five of the NBA draft, then there are certain things that we're going to be looking for, right? Things, especially mm. as a wing. Can you create? Can you shoot? You know, all these things are really important. So the fact that he hasn't been able to showcase that until this point of the season is exactly why we're having this conversation. It's the range more than anything else, I think. Yeah, a hundred percent. All right, let's get through six through ten, and this is where things, you know, start to get a, a little bit interesting because things have have shifted a little bit. We have Brandon Miller at number six. He was out of the lottery. He moved up nine spots. Now has an average stock price of six point four. Started out at sixteen point three. We have Asar Thompson at number seven. We just did um, a really good episode, I think. I felt good about the Asar Thompson episode uh, last week. He did not move much. Kaysen Wallace has moved up to number eight. He moved up four spots. Keontae George is at number nine, and Jarris Walker at number 10. Not a whole lot of movement there, but we see Brandon Miller leapfrog people from the lottery, <clears throat> and Kaysen Wallace make a play into this top 10 and as one of the more solid kind of safe picks Kaysen seems like he could be a guy who continues to rise something interesting with Kaysen I ran uh, a Bart Curie with him and it was very encouraging as far as who he kind of projected out to be based on, you know, some of the rebounding assists, scoring three point stuff. It was Tyrese Halliburton and Davion Mitchell. And that was it for like, I think since like 2015. So, you know, he, he has some real worries and I saw him uh, in person against UCLA at the garden. And, you know, if you're looking for him to be the cog, the engine for your team, I think that you need to look in a different direction but when I sit and I ask myself, can this prospect play in a conference finals? I think it's a resounding yes that Casey Wallace is going to be able to play in a, in a conference finals. No, I, I absolutely love what you said, Corey. Um, 
something that I thought about that I wrote in my notes as I was preparing for this pod. Um, Kaysen Wallace, if you look at some of his limitations, right? Um, I, I, he's not like an elite shooter yet, although I think he's a pretty decent one. Um, the on-ball creation isn't like going to wow you or amaze you or anything like that. However, something that I was thinking was I feel like if he goes in the eight to the four, eight to 14 range, that's a nice little range for him because like something that I thought about was like if Orlando were to go grab him. And they have creators in Paolo and um, and Franz. And I think Kaysen's going to continue to develop um, as a shooter. And I, I like his playmaking as well. I mean, it's not a leader or anything like that. But just thinking about different scenarios, right, from 8 to 14, um, I, I think it's a very fair range for him considering what he offers on both ends of the floor. Like, right? We, we talked about when we did uh, – when, when I wrote my article about him and we talked about him as well, his floater game is <clears> unbelievable. <throat> really nice touch on that. He's going to be a great defender. I think is just overall, if you look at the whole package, um, obviously I understand the limitations, but from eight to 14, that feels like a very fair range for him to go. And I think, as you said, Corey Hill eventually blossom into a guy who, as you mentioned, can play in high leverage moments and positions. Oh, Corey, I think you're muted. Oh, thank you. Uh, let's talk about Brandon Miller quickly. Cause you, know, you made a lot of great points about Kaysen and he's going to be, just you know a really solid player with with room for more so brandon miller was a guy that was you know the, the draft community was really divided on coming into the year we were on the higher side i know i had him um top five coming into the year that's kind of where he's cemented himself he's made a major leap but there are major concerns right he's really struggled finishing around the hoop uh his two-point percentage is really low um, but he's been a flamethrower from distance, which, you know, was something I think people were concerned about coming into the year because he was he was a killer in the mid range, you know, in high school AAU. But I was looking some stuff up and um, he's up to 48 percent at the rim. Now, that's not good. Right. We we literally just uh, talked about how Amen Thompson is 50 percent at the rim on non transition dunks. So like, you know, you, you, you put in some transition stuff, you know, Brandon Miller at the rim, uh, 48%. It's not good, but it's trending up. Cause I believe it was at 43%. And now we're in conference play. So, you know, I, I think that number is going to average out. It's going to increase. And, um, one of the interesting things about that at the rim number though, that, I noticed was he's only assisted on like 20 something percent of those attempts. So he's self-creating almost everything at the rim right now. And I just don't always foresee that being a thing for him at the next level. I feel like when he plays off, when he's not the best initiator on his team and he, he kind of sits back and gets into that secondary tertiary role and maybe you could use him coming off the off the ball, you know, uh, 45 cuts and, you know, uh, you know, kind of corner back doors. And I I feel like he's going to get easier looks at the rim. I, I think that Alabama should make a concerted effort to get him easier looks at the rim so he doesn't have this massive load because, I, you know, they have some guards who could play and um, just, you know, work to get him easier 
stuff. And if they do that, and even if they don't, again, I think he's going to he's going to learn. He's a smart player. I think he's going to learn to to get to spots in different ways and and finish more uh, efficiently as he gets stronger and fills out. But I I think that there's a, a a real opportunity for him just by getting some not having to create everything. No, I I think you put it perfectly, Corey. Um, I think he's a guy who. And it doesn't take a lot for you to notice his weaknesses, right? When you watch him on a floor, mm-hmm. he's not uh, an electric athlete. Uh, I don't think he has the tightest handle or shake or wiggle or whatever. Um, so for him to be creating all of those opportunities, that many, that high of a percentage of opportunities for himself is a big reason why that percentage is so low. But Corey, as you mentioned, in terms of role and how he'll he'll play, I think NBA teams are smart. They're going to see, they're going to watch that tape. They're going to see how he was struggling to get his own bucket like that. Or, you know, it was arduous for him at the very least. I think teams are going to look at that and they'll they'll just focus on what, what are his strengths? How can we leverage what he's good at and turn that into something that becomes effective for our team? So um, overall, I'm, I'm with you, man. He's still very high on my board. I won't lie to you. My top five has changed pretty drastically recently. Um, and... Uh, Oh, Corey, I think I'm muted, but um, <laughs> that's what we like to hear. We love to yeah, hear that. Yeah, I, you know, I, I've been trying to catch up a little bit. I've been working life in, in the lab. Been, yeah, so I've been in the lab. My top five changed kind of dramatically, but I still do have Brandon Miller at number six because of the things that you talked about. He's still a flamethrower from outside. I still think he's going to be a really good passer. I still love the size. We're talking about a guy who's pretty gigantic too. So yeah, um, yeah I'm still there. I'm still really, really high on him. I just think, as you mentioned. We can't look at him in a in a vacuum and ignore the fact that he's playing on this Alabama team with the guards that they have in the situation that he's in. All right. Uh, at number 11, we have Anthony Black. At number 12, we have Dariq Whitehead. At number 13, we have Gigi Jackson. At number 14, we have Grady Dick. And at number 15, we have Jet Howard. Now, we have a couple of big-time risers there. Uh, most notably, we have Grady Dick, who jumped up 12 spots to land as the final lottery spot and then jet howard uh he jumped up 19 spots up to 15 and i think he has potential to rise even more he had a, an average stock price coming into the year of 37.1 and that was shocking um to a lot of us at no ceilings coming in because watching him at img he was one of the guys that that popped playing off of Jarrison and, and Keontae. uh and he he's been playing well i even think that uh tonight he he grabbed more than five rebounds so that's a big deal for him i think if he was a guy if he started hitting the boards a little bit this is this is a guy who uh you know could potentially and he still might go go top 10 Derek whitehead and this is a guy that i wrote about um called drop coverage at no ceilings nba.com Dariq has dropped six spots. He came into the year as a number six prospect on the draft IPO. He is now 12. And I think a lot of it is people being patient with him and not trying to dramatically drop him because they know he's coming back from injury. They know that it was a foot injury. Um, and, you know, you can't be on your feet with with this lower body stuff so he's it's a little out of shape he's finding his rhythm and this duke team really sucks they're just really not that good so i think they're being patient but espn has dropped him to 20 
Uh, Bleacher Report has them now at 16. So, and and some of these outlets haven't you know updated in the last week or so. So maybe yeah, he he may have even dropped a little bit more. I feel like you know on our next big board we had him at 10 a few weeks ago. I feel like on our next big board he's probably going to be a little bit lower. Do you think that Dariq is going to hit a stride where he can recover his draft stock, or do you think that he's a guy who? could have kind of like a Jaden Hardy type of situation where we're watching on draft night. We're sitting there and going, wow, another team passed on Dariq, another team passed on Dariq. Um, if, if Jaden Hardy is the example, um, then, you know, I, I would say, I hope NBA teams don't do that because I'm, I'm still really high on Jaden Hardy and um, I think he's going to be good, but I think he'd go higher in a redraft. Yes, exactly. But Corey, I, I, I'm with you. I think, um, it's interesting. I think in a lot of ways, it's very similar with Cam Whitmore. Um, he's got he's a guy coming off of an, an, an injury, and he's still trying to feel things out. And I think physically, he's not 100% there yet. And there are things that he's still trying to feel out and kind of grow into. And uh, as you mentioned, this Duke team is not the best team. Uh, it's not really enabling him or really... Yeah, really tough. Uh, I'm going to refrain from naming names, but tough watch. <laughs> yeah, it's not always the most fun to watch. Um, but overall, Corey, I, I, I'm one of the uh, not one of the few, but I'm one of those people that you mentioned. I'm trying to hold on hope. Um, mm. I, I try thinking about what we saw in high school and the shooting and the defense and yeah, athleticism. Well, athleticism not so much, but um, I, I, I still feel, straight line, yeah, straight exactly. line. I still think there's something there, um, and I feel like. He's another wait and see guy for me. Mm-hmm. I really do hope he figures it out. But as you mentioned, I think the percentages of him actually figuring it out within this season are very low because he's coming back from injury and because of the situation that he's in. So it's looking kind of bleak right now. So it's not just him struggling at Duke. Outside well, yeah. of Kyle Filipowski, who has really risen a lot, um, he rose up to the 16 spot that that's a plus 21 jump. He was another guy that people had questions about, but when you look at the rest of the guys who are projected um, in this first round for Duke, Derek lively dropped nine spots from his initial ranking. Tyrese Proctor dropped 15 spots from his initial ranking. And, and I think that, you know, that might even go into a free fall. He seems like he's going to be uh, like a 2024 guy, you know, Proctor is he reclassified. So, you know, that, that wouldn't be shocking at all, but it, it's just, it's ugly out there for, for the blue devil. So we do have to wait and seek with Dariq. We wait and see with Dariq, but I, I, I tend to think that he's going to be a little bit lower than that. Uh, the next time that we do this, because a lot of guys are, are, are playing well, Grady Dick. Um, a guy with questions, his draft stock. The last time we did this was 29.6, jumped up to 14.7. He is number 14. You and uh, Steven covered Grady Dick when filling in for me. Uh, Do you think that it's justified that, that he is a lottery player right now? Uh, I don't think I have him in my lottery, but I get it. Um, actually looking at my yeah. board right now, I have him at 18. Okay, so not, too, I, not super far off. Exactly. So it's not outlandish. It's not crazy for him to be in that range. And I get it. He, he's a guy that everyone's going to bang the drum and say that he's not just a shooter. 
and they're going to mention the fact that he's sneaky this and sneaky that and um <laughs> he's going to be a guy that i think is going to be highly coveted by nba teams mm. especially in that in that range between you know the lottery and well the late lottery um and then like the teens or the 20s you know just because he is a big guy he's like six seven six eight good good size on him uh can really shoot the ball moves really well without the ball um you know so there there's upside with him that i think teams are going to like and then he has the foundation of being such a good shooter that it's easy to envision adding on to that and building on top of that so i get it i don't have him that high but i totally understand why he'd be there moving into this 16 to 20 range and this this range seems like the we don't know where to put these guys so this is where they're at kyle filipowski at 16 uh who we talked about major leap he's played pretty well uh above uh, either at expectations or above which for that duke team you know <laughs> is a plus dylan mitchell at 17 uh he dropped eight spots from his initial ranking we have Kalel Ware at 18 uh Terquavion Smith who lit Duke up tonight at 19 and Derek Lively at 20 so what are we doing with Derek Lively where where are you at on the Tyler times two panic meter for for Derek Lively um on my updated board I have him at 26 okay so um, I don't think that's crazy. Um, I don't think it's ridiculous. Corey, I did see your tweet from the other night where you did talk about Lively and the situation that he's in. I acknowledge that. I agree mm-hmm. with you. Um, but also, like, it's been a tough watch at times, right? Yes. Um, so I, I think having a, having him at 26 on my board is not ridiculous. No, um, not at all. Yeah. I mean, but then at the same time, he very easily could be a guy who gets drafted in the 20s and then ends up being a lot better than people thought he'd be just because you know they watched a lot of his duke tape and situation he was in so i'm not in the freak out panic you know all the way on the other side of the panic meter but um he hasn't played well plain and simple and i'd like to see him play better but there's still some season left so he could play better but that situation once again so what am i saying he's probably gonna stay the same i i think he's the guy that's hurt most by the situation right like um he's a guy who needs to be set up and even the people that I think thought that he was going to shoot it a little bit, he still needs to be set up for those shots. It's not like he was hitting those shots off the bounce, right? He was knocking down shots, either like spacing the floor and pick and pop situations. Uh, so, and, and that's mostly because he was playing next to like Jalen Duran in the EYBL who's manning the paint and he was kind of serving as a floor spacer. Whereas now he's kind of playing that big man spot and Kyle Filipowski is, is spacing the floor, but they don't have a point guard that can get him the ball. He, I think in, in an NBA context is going to be a guy you, you know, hit for lobs, um, runs the, you know, the floor in transition is a rim runner and just scores on garbage, like offensive rebounds. Right he could still do that part at Duke without those guards, because there's a lot of garbage to clean up on this team, but he's not really going to be getting a lot of these easy baskets that, uh, you know, he, he needs to get. And I think he will get with more spacing and better playmaking at the NBA level. I think defensively, he shows some pretty good stuff and he's, he's, I think where he needs to be, defensively we knew about the motor issues we knew about that that was a concern coming in and we you know we did an episode on him in the preseason and you know we broke down 
we were concerned about that. And we were like, you know, we're, we're not as high on this guy as most people are, but he's kind of playing up to my expectation because I watch his team and I just go, yeah, he could be more assertive. Sure. And that would help, but there's not much he could do out there on like a, a team like this who lacks consistent shooting and, playmaking it's it's ugly so i i think he's a guy who probably is also gonna continue to drop a little bit bleacher report he's got a wide range right now bleacher report had him at 28 um the athletics still had him at 14 so obviously there are you know um differences of opinion i think we dropped him to 24 on our last update but he has enough talent i think that he is a first round guy regardless of of this situation and we can't overreact because we have to we have to project and Kalel Ware I think is in a, a pretty similar situation himself he showed uh, maybe more flashes of the things we were hoping that that he would see but he hasn't really done anything to drop his stock too much dropped a little bit but not not a ton I think a lot of it is because other people moved up um, but Terquavion Smith he's a guy I, I could see rising he's a guy that I could see having a stretch where it's just like, oh man, he's shooting 43% from three on nine and a half attempts a game over this stretch. And he's averaging 24 points and six assists and five rebounds. He's getting into the line and he could have a stretch. He can go on a heater. I, he, he's a guy I would look out for as, as, as a possible riser. No, I, I get it. Uh, you know, our very own uh, Evan Wheeler wrote an incredible feature on him for No Ceilings NBA. Evan the and- GOAT. Yeah, Evan the Coat, um, and highlighted a lot of his strengths and the things that he's good at. And he also mentioned some current NBA guys that come to mind, like a Jordan Poole, right? Yes. And you look at a guy like a Jordan Poole or a Bones Highland or whoever, and you, you have these kind of like medium-sized guards who can really light it up and have like a microwave type of style game. And um, you can understand, even a guy like Malik Monk, look at, you know, he's playing well for Sacramento and he's a key part of their uh, redemption arc or whatever, however you want to characterize what's going on in Sacktown. But um, awesome stuff is how I would yeah, characterize it. Yeah, light the beam. But I, I get it. Like it's those types of players are intriguing, right? Um, that can really score and can, you know, do stuff with the ball in their hands. So I get it. I'm still not like crazy high on him. I still have him at 19 on my board. Um, but um, I get it. And teams are going to like him. He's fun to watch. You're right in line uh, with consensus there. So um, as as per usual. All right. Um, 21 through 25. Interesting group. Chris Murray. 21. Rayon Rupert at 22. Just returned from injury. Uh, Bryce Sensabaugh at 23. A, an interesting name who is new to this list. And... Um, you know, jumped up all the way to 23 after not being listed in the preseason. Uh, we have Marcus Sasser at 24, who has increased his stock a little bit. And then at 25, we have Max Lewis, who was not listed the first go around and has jumped up to 25. So a lot of interesting names there. A lot of guys I really like. I'm seeing Chris Murray uh, live on Sunday. I saw him last year. He is putting up a sneaky, underrated season. And obviously, you know, top 21 uh, draft stock is pretty good, right? That That's that's pretty solid, especially for a, an upperclassman. 
but it seems as like it seems almost like there is some kind of like overcorrection because Keegan went four, and people are like, "Well, we think he's worse than Keegan, but like he may not be playing that much worse than Keegan was." And we know that you know. I think if you redid the draft, I think there's a few guys who would go ahead of Keegan, even though Keegan's having a a good rookie year. But I feel like Chris Murray is a, a guy, a sneaky guy who could rise because uh, there's a few outlets that are still sleeping on him a little bit, but he just keeps producing. And as we get into conference play, this is when, if he keeps it up, just like Keegan did, this is when we could start going, oh, Chris Murray? Lottery? No, I, I 100% agree, man. And, you know, I'm one of those guys, and maybe others are out there too. But I am too. <laughs> left lefties are so pretty to watch, and I like watching lefties shoot the ball. Um, and you know, I, I get it, Corey. I, I think if we went back to a year ago and looked at where Keegan was at the same time, I'm sure he wasn't in the top five, right? He also no, had to really raise. Yeah. Correct. He really had to raise his stock to get to where he got to. And Chris Murray is. Similar situation. Now, he doesn't have his brother as a running mate anymore, but he is, as you mentioned, having a very underrated, very, you know, kind of under the radar, very good season. And that's a really encouraging thing. And so um, I think for me, uh, give me a second. I have him currently at 23, right? And I think he very easily can move up on my board as well, just like you said, because um, I don't think he has the same creation upside as his brother does but he still does a lot of great things on the floor yeah and and maybe he doesn't need to have that creation upside for for what he's going to do in the nba to still have a, a really effective year um repair just returned so he's a, a wait and see guy but he has such intriguing tools it's it's good to see him back because he's a guy that could shake things up uh bryce sensaba a guy who i was really looking forward to seeing live uh when no ceilings covered the CBS sports classic at the garden, but it took me just so long to drive into New York city from long Island, which is like not that long of a drive, but I hit so much traffic that I missed uh, that entire game. Luckily when it's overtime and I didn't miss any of the Kentucky UCLA, but uh, he's took a massive, massive jump. And honestly, if no ceilings, you know, we had him at 40 on our last update. Um, I think if we did it again, he'd probably be higher. We're almost, you know, ruining the curve here because we're everybody else every other outlet has him you know in that like low 20 range um so he seems like he's a guy that another guy like this guy could rise freshman comes out of nowhere shows these really intriguing skills um you know i guess similarly to last year's ohio state guy in malachi branham who is doing kind of similar stuff uh still has some question marks so people don't want to completely overreact to it but when you you go through a lot of his advanced stats he's having a really impressive freshman season that almost feels like is going a bit under the radar even though he's been on the tip of a lot of you know the draft community's tongues but i know you're a body guy what do you think of these weird body guys like a, a weird body guy like bryce um weird body guys scare me always generally um, I like my Greek Adonis um, athletes <laughs> generally. No, but, you know, last year we had a very similar conversation when we talked about Harrison Ingram 
And I really did not like the shape that he was in. Um, and I had a lot of question marks. But, Corey, I, I think overall this range is a very interesting one from 21 to 25 on this list. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of these guys can end up moving and shaking and end up in really different places than where they are right now. I mean, you mentioned Sensible. Yeah, Sensible very easily, if he continues to play the way that he's playing and continues to grow in the role that he's in, he can easily move into the late teens, maybe even the lottery conversation. Who knows, depending on how things go. But we mentioned Chris Murray. We mentioned Rupert, who in his first game coming back from injury looked pretty damn good. Um, and then Max Max Lewis. Like, I, I, hate, to, I hate to kind of <clears throat> spoil it here, but I moved Max Lewis into my top 10. Yeah, um, he's a guy that I really, really enjoy watching play basketball now. And as we mentioned, I saw his worst game live, and I still liked him. So I think this range overall, whether it's Sensaba or Rupert or Murray or Lewis or Sasser, this is a very volatile group that I think can end up in a very different place by the time the draft comes along. Absolutely, and I'm with you on Max Lewis. I have him at number eight right now. I absolutely love his tools. I love the fact that he's producing at this level, made a jump, and he's still raw. Like, this is a kid who took an untraditional path to get to college and missed out on a lot of important developmental time and is producing and is producing in a big way. The kid is ridiculously efficient, but it's not just about the numbers. The eye test backs it up. Like, this is a kid who really has like NBA movements and NBA shot making and he could play on or off the ball. He's got a little bit of passing flair. I think he is not always perfect defensively, but shows a lot of promise and has a lot of really intriguing flashes on that end. I I mean, I get it. He goes to Pepperdine and you know, that, that right there is probably going to hurt him a little bit because he's not always facing the best competition on a night to night basis. But, I promise this is a kid who is going to rise significantly up the board. I uh, I never want to say it would shock me if he he wasn't a lottery pick. Like that wouldn't shock me. The, the the fun of the draft is that it's completely shocking almost every year. But whew, he has some some tools. He has some tools. And again, look at the film. Look at the the stats. Uh, kids legit. Yeah, he's 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 silky smooth, dude. And something that I mentioned before, when I saw him warming up against UCLA, he just refused to miss a shot. He was allergic to it. <laughs> Everything was going in, and the shot looked so pretty. Oh my um, god, he was totally locked in. Um, the handle looks fantastic. I think the playmaking is getting there. Um, I, I I just yeah, in something Corey that you mentioned in our group chat, even the defense has started to look better recently. Mm-hmm. And I think. If you kind of put all of that together, yeah, like competition is competition. But at the same time, like just eye test wise, you watch this guy move around on the court. You see the way that he moves with the ball in his hands and the way that his jump shot looks. And then you look at the numbers and like the the package is fantastic with him. So I literally could not stop myself from moving him in my top 10. And I'm, I'm pretty confident that he might end up staying there. Like he yeah. is just so pretty to watch as a basketball player. And I think it's well-deserved that he's moving up boards. A hundred percent. Shout out to everybody watching live on YouTube. Make sure you smash that like button for us. Uh, We are going to take a quick break and then we're going to hit the back half of the top 50. And just like that, we're back. 
to break down the rest of the top 50. All right, coming in at number 26, City Sissoko, the G League Ignite. Uh, Nikola Derisic of Mega at 27. Colby Jones at 28. Jordan Hawkins at 29. And Terrence Shannon Jr. at 30. What jumps out at you there? Um, Hawkins. Um, I love Hawkins. He's a guy that you have, you're an OG Hawkins <laughs> lover. <laughs> yeah. I had him on my boards last year too. Yes. And he's a guy that, um, was really young last year and he had his bumps in the road. And this year he's looking more mature and he is a Turquavian type of guy, a really electric shooter, scorer, um, athletic, um, just a guy who kind of jumps off the screen when you watch him and a guy that is really hard to not notice because of the way that he shoots, the way that he moves, the things that he's doing on the court. It's, it's very, it's palpable that you, you can feel his influence on the court. So Hawkins is a guy who's higher on my board than here at 29. And Corey, I, I did want to hear you talk a little bit about Kobe Jones, okay. um, a guy who I've really enjoyed watching recently. Um, big, big kid, six, six, right. Playmaker. Um, he has good feel to him, but wanted to hear your take on him because he's a pretty interesting guy to watch. I'll uh, first. I want to quickly touch on Hawkins because yeah. I I have him in at seventeen right now. Nice. Uh, he's a lot of fun. He is a lot of fun. His three point shooting volume is bordering on the occult right now. It is absurd. He has one of the smoothest jumpers ever. He can shoot it off movement. And when I think about like, okay, what can this guy? do at, at, at an elite level in the NBA to get him on the floor. I think he's going to be able to knock down shots and shoot, you know, whether off the catch or off movement. And he's going to, I think, be able to defend. Now he's not going to be this switchable up and down the lineup guy, but when you're talking about guard positions and maybe some, maybe some threes, he competes. I think he's got good length and his body will fill out. And I look at that as like a baseline. And then I go, all right, what if he puts together a couple of, you know, dribbling improvements you know some some improvement in the self-creation space and this is a guy who could you know really be a sleeper now i'm not looking for him to be some kind of you know playmaking initiating high level guy but as a a complementary piece who doesn't need the ball in his hands to still get his those guys are valuable and yukon's winning a ton of games he's a big part of that i cannot wait to see him live colby jones ah i was gonna see him live last week and I, I played it all wrong, man. I was I was on the game time. I was on the game time app. Tickets were like twenty bucks. They're playing in Queens at St. John's, and I was like, "All right, twenty bucks is is decent. I'll pay that price." But you know what? I'm gonna wait until the day of because I bet they drop to like ten bucks. And I was trying to save ten bucks for what? For nothing. And the it, game day happens, and all of a sudden, tickets are like. 95 to 120 bucks and i was like i am not going to that arena which has some of the worst acoustics out of any arena you can go to as much as i love it and been going there since i was a little kid i was like i'm not spending a hundred dollars to go watch uh andre curbelo and and colby jones so i will see uh you know xavier in the I guess the Big East tournament or and whatnot, and at another at another time. But Colby Jones, man, I think Rucker wrote a great piece at NoSillingsNBA.com about him, about his versatility. He's a guy that he's just going to do what is asked of him at the next level. Is you know, would it be great if he just let it fly as confidently as Jordan Hawkins? 
it would be tremendous. But he's going to continue to work on that. And he's just going to he's going to make smart decisions with the basketball. He's going to defend multiple situations. He has the height and the strength and the length to compete at the next level. He's a guy who rightfully has entered this conversation because he wasn't listed on the first one and has moved up to 28. So that's a, a very big rise um, from where he was previously when we did the top 40. He's just a guy who's going to play winning basketball, and it wouldn't shock me if he's contributing very early in his career because he is like the consummate glue guy that you want next to you know your your superstar players at the next level when he when he fully becomes himself as an NBA player. No, I I get that man, and I and I, I love that he's moving up the board like that because when I watched him play this weekend, I was like, man, this guy just he does good stuff. And he's making winning plays. And I like the size on him. And I like the way that he feels so in control all the time. Yeah. It doesn't feel like he's being rushed or he's ever panicking or freaking out. Just a guy who's very mature and uh, seems to know – he's very sure of himself and seems to know what he needs to do to you know lead the team to victory. So a guy that I recently got into more and I've really enjoyed watching. And uh, if you like good basketball, why not, right? Moving on to the next batch of five, we have Julian Phillips at 31, Mr. Hot Honey himself. We have Taylor Hendricks entering the mix, unlisted on the first one uh, at 32. The UCF big man uh, went to UCF for a semester, so shout out to UCF. Coleman Hawkins at 33, who, if you were listening to this, uh, you may or may not have already read our own Nick Agar Johnson's piece on Coleman Hawkins that came out on NoSealingsNBA.com. We have Julian Strother at 34, a guy you wrote about last year, and then Leonard Miller at 35. So um, let's let's talk about Julian Phillips for quickly. You know, we covered him. Uh, I still have him like top 20, but because I love the defense, I, I still buy into the shot. I love how uh, effective he could be getting to the free throw line and finishing and cut. But he's got to he's got to score a little bit, and and I'm I'm wondering because I would still take him in the top twenty, but I'm wondering if is he possibly a guy who comes back to school? <sighs> um, it's definitely possible. I actually have him exactly at 20 right now on my board. Mm. Um, so I'm right there with you. But I wrote about him. We covered him. Guy that you put me on to early on. Um, a guy that I really enjoy watching play basketball. And, Corey, yeah, he could go back to school. But I, f- in my opinion, I feel like he's shown enough and will continue to show over the course of this season that he's a guy that NBA teams should bet on because of not just because the measurables and whatever but like you said like he has he's a very gifted and talented player who uh just needs some time um wow i keep saying that today but it's true he's one of these guys who you have to look look at as a developmental type of guy um i'm we talked about it ad nauseum before like we really believe in the shot i think the shot looks good and will only get better and so if that's the case with his size and uh, length and everything that he can do on the court He's a guy that I think NBA teams will feel very comfortable taking in this range, anywhere from 20 to 30, right? Or even in yeah. the second round. And I think that's not a bad thing for him, right? He could end up playing a good amount of, he could be on a two-way or, I don't know, end up playing a lot in the G League, whatever. But yeah, he's a guy that will be good, in my opinion. So he just needs time. Good measurables. Leonard Miller at 35. Now, 
is Leonard Miller the guy who is, you know, going to read the second level of the defense better than anybody? No, I think that that would put a little too much dip on his chip there. But he is an intriguing guy that, you know, I, I think his on this G League Ignite team is like a little bit like Julius Randall-ish. Um, I think there's a there's enough there that he's shown in the G League, even though the shot is still not there. And gosh, does it look ugly at, uh, at points that I think a team is going to take a first round flyer on him. He has height. I think he's got, you know, some defensive versatility. He can board. He's got good touch closer to the basket. And he does have some, you know, passing chops, even if you're not letting him run that offense. Have you come around on Leonard Miller at all? Cause I know a lot of us outside of like Maxwell have kind of had reservations um, about him. Yeah, I'm still kind of not there. Um, I saw him. I, I had the chance. I had the great opportunity to see him live in Vegas, uh, playing with the G League Ignite. And um, ooh, uh, as you mentioned, Corey, the shooting is really rough to look at and to watch. Um, but he was really athletic. Um, watching him in warmups, he threw down some wild dunks uh, that were really, really cool um, to look at. But um, I'm with you. I think the d- defensive versatility is awesome. What was his body um, like? Because it seems like he's filled yeah, out a little bit this year. Big time. So compared to what we saw in all the other film we saw last year before he got to the G League, he's putting on muscle. And, you know, like in between the game um, or at these games, they have these like the OTE does it, G League does it. They do these little like hits of like short interviews with these players. Yeah. And they did this little thing with Leonard Miller and how like he's changing his diet and being in the G League is enabling him to uh, eat more, maybe not eat more, but to focus his diet and he's working out more and all that stuff. And it showed it showed his physique was awesome, um, way better than I was expecting. So um, also it's been a couple of months, so maybe my memory is leaving me. But no, I, I was really <laughs> impressed. And um, but I, I still I don't know, Corey, I, I'm not there yet with him, but things can change. Right. We still have some time but um yeah I'm, i still have a lot of reservations with him have you watched any taylor Hendricks yet uh i have okay i have um i'm very confused by him okay um i do not want to throw shade or hate at his game but i don't know if i'm like a huge believer in his jump shot um mm. I, I i like it i i do i do i i like it but i need to see more um, is kind of how I feel. I don't know why. And Corey, like I've I've been this way with different guys. Like Devin Vassell was a guy that I really struggled with. Halliburton was a guy that I struggled with. But with Hendricks, like I watched this guy shoot, and yet I have him at thirty four, which is not bad, right? Um, would no. pretty fair. So um, I think he's okay. I want to see more. Um, I'm gonna reserve saying anything def- definitive until like I actually do my deep dive on him. Yeah. So the shot, it seems a lot like he his body tilts to the left. Mm-hmm. because he's a little bit like upright in his stance. Um, he looks skinny when he shoots. He gets, what he gets say, skinny yeah. when he shoots. And I guess the one positive is that, I mean, he's already tall and he has a high release. So because he's not, you know, getting too much on the lower half, like it's a pretty high release, hard to, you know, contest. But um, I think when you have like high level defenders, it's maybe a little bit less easy for him to get it off. You know, he threw up a, a funky shot in that Houston game that like hit the top of the backboard. Uh, although he played okay, his defense I think is good, but it's not like let me freak out about it. 
good, even though he has like good shot blocking instincts. I'm I'm in wait and see mode with him. I, I want to see the entire year. He's interesting. His his numbers are intriguing. He's got like a good physical profile. And I, you know, I, I don't think the UCF team is like indicative of the type of players he will be playing next to as a complimentary piece at the next level. But I, I am in wait and see mode, but you know, he's, he, he wasn't listed on the first one. He's at 32 now. So I think that a lot of the outlets are in wait and see mode because his range is anywhere from 21 to 47 right now to not even being listed at basketball news. So uh, he's a guy that there's a lot of intrigue with, but uh, some patience is, is needed mostly uh, at 36. We have Jalen Wilson, 37, to my dismay, we have uh, Jaime Jaquez Jr. At 38, we have Tyrese Proctor. At 39, we have another new entry with Noah Clowney. And at 40, we have Amani Bates. Now, Tyrese Proctor dropped 15 spots uh, to 38. Again, if you ask me, he's probably not going to be on the next iteration of this board. ESPN has him at 68 on their rankings. So um, uh, I think he, he he'll ultimately potentially be a next-year guy. Amani Bates. There is something there. Now, this should not be shocking because he was literally on magazine covers as the second coming. But he, you know, I I think we were all a little dubious about his decision to go play at Eastern Michigan. And it seems like it's the right choice. He's getting to show off what makes him him. He's showing some significantly uh, impressive shot-making ability. His handle looks tighter. Still can't find an open teammate for the life of him. Has tunnel vision. I think he plays with passion. He competes defensively, even if I I don't think he's a a very good defender. I, I think he's competitive. I'm just watching him. I'm like, if he could be tall Malik Monk type of guy, heat check guy, like he could shoot it off movement. He doesn't need to self-create, but he can if you give him the rock. I there there's something fun. He's had good games against real competition. He's he's kind of more of a fun watch than you would expect. And I saw him live last year and I was like, this is not a fun time. Yeah, I mean, um, Coach Penny trying to turn him into a point guard was um, not the best idea. Um, wasn't yeah. really, yeah, wasn't really working there. But um, he's had an interesting story, Corey. We we he's been on YouTube highlight mixtapes since who knows forever, right? Since the start of YouTube, who knows? But the kid is. He's had a really interesting road and path to where he's getting to right now. Uh, had some off the court stuff early in the season, and now he's playing for Eastern Michigan, and he's putting up numbers, and he's playing a, a an electric brand of basketball. But um, as you mentioned, Corey, like yeah, there have been improvements, but I think he's in this range for a reason. Um, mm-hmm. I also believe that an NBA team might just take a gamble on him and take him like in the top twenty five, maybe. Who knows? I can see it. Yeah, it's very very possible, but also like. I don't think it's crazy if our valuation for him is in this spot either, um, is how I feel. But we may end up keeping him in this range, maybe 35 to 40, but he could definitely go like 25 to 30 once the draft rolls around. 
he wasn't on the, the first iteration of this. I think most people have kind of given up on him as like a need to draft this guy, but I think he's going to get drafted. Uh, you know, like you said, it wouldn't shock me if he was drafted in the first round earlier than people expected. It also wouldn't shock me if, you know, people were a little bit scared off by some of the maturity stuff and, and he doesn't get drafted at all. But I, I think he, you know, he's an NBA player. Noah Clowney is the guy that stands out on this list to me. Obviously, anybody who listens to us knows that we love Jaime Hawkes Jr. And I watched him put on an absolute footwork clinic at the Garden recently. You've also seen him live this year. But Noah Clowney, um, you know what? He He's on this Alabama team that's a lot of fun. He's a guy that kind of came out of nowhere. Maxwell wrote a great piece on him this week. And if you told me that he was like uh, one of the Mobley brothers, it kind of wouldn't shock me. Like, I feel like he kind of has a, a similar build and movement pattern to them. The The percentages aren't there yet, but I think the shot looks good. And he's starting to shoot it a little bit more confidently. He's got good touch. I like the defense. I like the measurables. I like this kid. Noah Clowney's good, man. Yeah, I, I don't hate him. I don't hate him, Corey. It's a, a fair thing to say. I, I think, think he's going to rise. I think he's going to rise. Yeah, no, and he should. Corey, people may hate me for this, and I'm not saying they're identical, but watching him shoot reminded me of Jaron Jackson Jr. a little bit. And once again, they're not identical in their form, but it reminded me a little bit of yeah. his form. You know, no, I, the follow-through. Correct, correct. The follow-through. And, and I think, you know, if he... Uh, as you mentioned, if he's going to shoot it and continue to shoot it and the percentages go up and he continues to play good defense and he has good size, why not, right? He very easily could go in in the first round, right? So um, I, I think it's going to be something interesting to watch, and I really do hope that he just – I really hope he just continues to shoot the ball. There's one game I was watching. He put up like five or six, I don't remember, like a good amount of threes, and I was like, hey, man, do that. That's good. Yeah. You know, like don't be afraid. Let it fly. Yeah, you have the form. Keep doing it. So uh, maybe he just continues to blossom in that and in confidence and he puts up more and then NBA teams are going to be like, damn, like we have a stretch big here who is pretty damn talented. So could happen. Yeah, I think he's a top 20 guy, most likely. At 41, we have Jalen Clark, another UCLA guy. Jordan Walsh at 42. Uh, Jalen Clark, by the way, was not on the first list. He's a new entrant. Deron Holmes at 43, Adem Bona, another UCLA guy at 44, and at 45 we have Terrence Arsenault uh, from the Houston Cougars, uh, another guy who was not listed who is making his debut. Jalen Clark is the name here, right? Oh yeah, big time. Guy that I've seen uh, a couple times. And Corey, can I, I just want to say something. I think it's really interesting that we've had Haquez, Clark, and Bona before even a a sniff of Amari Bailey, which is yeah. unfortunate for him and um, seems like a guy who's going to need more time, whether it's coming back to UCLA or going elsewhere. But um, Jalen Clark, in my opinion, fully deserves to be in this range because he's been playing incredibly impactful defense, which has led to a lot of really good offense and easy offense and a guy who you feel every time he's on the court. So I, I think it's very deserved for him to be in the spot. So... Jalen Clark's interesting here, and I wonder if it's people going, I, I still need to wait and see, because his advanced numbers are, like, off the charts, like, 
I think his box, uh, his plus minus was like in the Zion range or something, something crazy, ridiculous like that. Like he is having a massive influence on these games. When I went to see him live, absolutely popped. You wrote it a, a fantastic piece about, you know, how he plays, uh, you know, like Ed Reed on the basketball court because of how well he reads these like passing lanes and the, the, how he plays defense. When I watch him, I go, I'm a Bulls fan. I've seen uh, Javante Green have a massive impact on the floor for the Bulls, uh, who remain one of the most frustrating teams ever and gave up 71 points to Donovan Mitchell, which was not fun for me to watch, but I enjoyed his performance. Uh, But watching Javante Green, I go, Jalen Clark could be that. If the shooting translates, Jalen Clark could be that. And if he's having this massive impact then I don't care. I don't care. He's a junior. What are we doing here? If he's a guy that's going to be an impact guy, when, when we look back on this draft, are we going to go, why didn't this guy go 25 spots higher? Now I get it. I think positionally, you go, what position does he play? Cause he's the height of a shooting guard, right? But his game is really more tailored. I think for that, swingman position like that three four swingman position so i guess the question becomes like do you think he can guard up that much uh, i think fours are going to be difficult for him um i i, I think he's got a good frame um really good length incredible instincts obviously like we talked about um really disciplined defender as well but fours are going to be difficult just because of size um but then again Corey, like we're talking about an nba now where you know there's so much versatility um that depending on the team, depending on the matchup, maybe he can guard force. So um, I think overall the point that you're trying to make about him is that he offers so much versatility that you have to consider him with one of your picks. Yeah. That's uh, I would bet on him. You know, if I was a, a team and he was available in this range to, if, if you're a, a veteran playoff team who needs an energy guy who could you buy into a culture and be a contributor and do things, I would bet on that. All right. At 46, we have Baba Miller making his debut. At 47, we have Reese Beekman out of Virginia uh, making his debut. At number 48, we have Arthur Kaluma, who had one of the more massive drops. Uh, He dropped 29 spots from our first iteration of this. Then at 49, we have Amari Bailey, who dropped 25 spots. And then rounding out the top 50, we have Ricky Council, the fourth out of Arkansas. So are you giving up on Arthur Kaluma or are you kind of holding strong? Because this feels aggressive to me, irregardless of if he maybe hasn't shot the ball nearly as well as we hoped. Yeah, I, I think he's having a down year. Um, I still have Coloma at 29 on my board, so I'm not giving up. I, I think he's a guy who we were really excited about in the preseason, a guy that a lot yeah. of us were wrote about and were thinking about and talked a lot about because of what we saw him do in the tournament last year and thinking, hey, this Creighton team should be strong and he's going to kind of be the engine of that, and it just hasn't happened yet. Um, and uh, I think he's just having a bad year, but I don't think we should abandon ship yet. Um, I, I still think he has a lot of gifts and talents um, that 
can lead to him being a very good NBA player. So, yeah, I'm going to hold on. I've got him at 29 right now, so I'm not giving up yet. Yeah, that's about the range that I have him as well. I'm still betting on that guy in the first round. I'm betting on the tools. Um, I, I Obviously, the jumper needs work, but I think it's workable. I think he's shown improvements. He's he's shown these flashes of of different ways to create. Uh, he's you know I I am not fully selling my my Kaluma stock. I, I think that he might be a guy that takes a little bit of time, but ultimately he is a a strong bet. Bailey, on the other hand, Bailey, uh, I need to see more of. He didn't. He was invisible when I saw him live. And obviously I'm not basing the, my evaluation of him off of one game. And, you know, we know that UCLA is a tough place to play for young players. It's a veteran team. You're going to play through Hawkes, right? Uh, Jalen Clark is, is getting some, some of that usage. Tiger Campbell is a guy who's going to run the show. So Bailey's in a weird spot. Cause he's kind of a little bit of a, you know, a lead guard, you know, that's how he grew up. And now he's kind of playing a little bit off ball while still get, I don't know. It, it would it shock you if he returned next year? No, I definitely don't think it would shock me, but at the same time, I almost wonder if it's better for him to go to a different program or mm-hmm. somewhere else. Um, I, I just, you know, watching him play a couple times in person, um, obviously Cronin, he really trusts Jaime Hawkins with the ball in his hands, yeah. Tiger Campbell, these upperclassmen, he, he trusts them a lot. And then you see him, he kind of has these plays that are set for Amari Bailey to kind of create and do stuff. And, you know, if he, if, if, if it doesn't lead to a bucket or lead to a clean look, then you can see Cronin kind of pull that plug pretty quickly, which I can understand, but I also don't think it's fair, especially like when they're playing like Long Beach state, like just let the kid cook, you know, like, well, what are we talking about here? Um, but I wouldn't be shocked if he went back to school or went somewhere else. Um, I, I'm, I'm still a believer in him. I had him in my top 10 heading into the season. Um, obviously, he's dropped a ton on my board, but a guy that I still like and I, I still think can be an NBA type of player. Uh, it's just the situation in, that he's in right now isn't great either. So we shall see. And he, it's not like he's been bad. You know, I, 48% from the floor, 36% from three. Now, low volume both ways uh oddly 47 percent from the free throw line but you know very low volume there not can't take too much from it positive assist turnover ratio uh 1.2 steals in you know 26 minutes i there's stuff there with him and you know a, a reason to stay at ucla would be you know la nil money but i i don't know i could see his stock going back back up and him rising again and kind of leveling out maybe not where he started where his stock was at 28.9 as a guaranteed first rounder but also maybe not hovering towards the back end of this second round territory but you know uh this was this is a fun exercise to do as often as we do it because i think it really paints this fun picture of where these guys are and, and how people are feeling about them and how that dictates some of the conversations that we see online. Um, and I think that when we do this next month, this list could potentially look even more different. You've already said your top five has, has shifted massively since the last time we had to hand in our big boards um, to Nathan to put together the, the no ceilings board. 
there's going to be new guys in the lottery. I, I think GJ Jack, GG Jackson's a guy who is, you know, going to be one of the biggest climbers um, on the next iteration of this. Cause I think the closer you get to the, the one spot in that lottery, you know, the more meaningful that jump becomes. So I, I don't know. This is, this was a, a fun, fun exercise to do. Yeah, no, for sure. And Corey, as you mentioned, it's, we still have a couple of left, uh, these left until the end of the season. And some of the guys that we mentioned have fallen off a little bit. Hey, man, like the season's not over yet. You know, guys like Derek Whitehead and Cam Whitmore, whoever, Amari Bailey, Kaluma, like there's hey, still an opportunity. Tyrese Hunter fell off the board. Bingo. He was on the first iteration of it and he exploded for 26 last night. Anything's possible. There's still time. So as long as there's still time, we're we're still open is what it is and so right. um i'm i it was, it was cool to see how these things have shifted but i'm also excited to see how this season plays out yeah now's the time to invest in some of these guys you know as the stock price dropped a little bit you know if you believe in them buy it buy in on them trust your gut when you do this uh, you know this is fun to get this kind of consensus view on prospects and and their draft stock but you know if you're getting into evaluating trust your gut believe in what your eyes are telling you, you know, obviously listen to other people and get their perspective and, and help that shape your own, uh, look into the stats and make sure, you know, some of the stats are, are backing up the eye test, but ultimately believe in your gut. And, you know, if, if you think that Max Lewis, whose draft stock is at 25 is, you know, one of the top 10 players in this draft, put him in your top 10. That's what we did, you know? And, you know, look, we're not, uh, financial experts so you shouldn't always take our our made up financial advice on these prospects but sometimes you should and trusting yourself is something that that you should do uh albert what are you cooking up what do you got for the people uh coming up where can they find you all the good stuff as we sign off uh you can find me at alberto gim on twitter is where you can find me apologize once again guys for my voice i'm this was i actually had to grind this one out this was a little tough for me um my face started getting really red and hot but um I uh, am working on the Jet Howard piece for next week, and he's a guy who is literally rocketing up my board, and he's dangerously high on my board, and I'll, uh, you know, I'll release that soon. But a guy that I'm really excited about, and a guy who has intrigued me way more than I was even expecting. I like, I was expecting to like him a lot, but I like him even more than I was expecting to like him. So it's been kind of a shock, but uh, be on the lookout for that. I, I can't wait to read that. Uh, he's a guy I'm going to see in February. So I'm looking forward to, to seeing him, uh, make sure you check out this, this list at no ceilings, Um, I I'm cooking up who I think I'm going to write about. I think I'm going to do another prospect chemistry piece on a guy who I've been very high on and we've talked about and we've done a preseason episode on that. That'll be in, in two weeks from now. But, uh, as always make sure that you rate review and share the podcast. Five stars would be dope. Uh, thank you to everybody who is watching live on YouTube. Make sure you smash the like button before we sign out and, uh, you know, make sure you comment and you know, who are you buying in on? Who are you, who are you selling all the good stuff? And as always, we will be back next Thursday on the no ceilings NBA draft podcast feed. You can catch us on YouTube anytime. Uh, until that time we out peace. Peace. <laughs>